You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from Jess Conley. Hey, good morning. If we haven't met, I'm Jess. I'm so, so, so grateful to be here. Um, And I'm so grateful to be on the teaching team here at Bright City. It is my favorite place in the city. And we have been in this sermon series on Made for More. Uh, The past two weeks, Pastor Nick has really been, I think, first kind of convincing us that stepping into the more God has for us is actually um, so life-giving and it's where abundance lives for us. And then last week, he preached a little bit about what it looks like to start when you're ready to really believe that you're made for more. Um, But today we're going to kind of take it, we're going to stay in the made for more vein, but we're going to take a little bit of a left turn and I want you to come with me. But first, we're going to do a little group activity. Sound good? Yes, it does. Um, so a lot of y'all, myself included, might have grown up in churches where you, have, you had to talk. You had to say, like, peace be with you. And then everybody would say, and also with you. Also with you. So we're going to do something similar but different. Um, we're going to start with a, a group call and response. Are you ready? Amen. You have to trust me because I'm going to tell you what to say and you have to say it, okay? So the first thing you're going to say is, just, yes. we promise. Not to take take this story the wrong way. way. Okay, all together, Jess, we promise not to take this story the wrong way. Amen? Amen. Let's go. Okay, so Nick and I have been reminiscing, and um, reminiscing is a positive word um, about a negative experience for us. We've been reminiscing about this time last year, and... Here's the deal. This time last year, just just full disclosure and a little bit of uh, transparency for my my church family. This time last year, I was struggling. Um, I was really on the struggle bus. Nick, I, Nick and I actually were like talking through some of the dates um, of of what was going on in our life last year. But specifically um, for me, I was struggling with insomnia. Um, and anybody who was at pre-service prayer during that time remembers I would basically come in every Sunday crying and just really tired and confused all the time. I was really wrestling. Um, I was struggling with insomnia that kind of then led into anxiety and it was like one ginormous bad cycle. I couldn't sleep and then I'd feel anxious and then I'd feel anxious about not sleeping and then I wouldn't sleep. Um, And there was a lot going on. There was a lot under the surface. Um, There was a lot that God needed to heal but during that time, I just, I was kind of a hot mess. Like I was really, really struggling. And one Saturday night, we went out on a quick date. We don't normally go on dates on Saturday nights. We're trying to get ready for church, but we had a pocket and we took it. And this was again, almost to the day, like 52 weeks ago. Um, and we went out on this date on a Saturday night and we were just kind of casually talking. And Nick said, Hey, are you excited about church tomorrow? He just kind of said it casually. Cause that's how we talk. And I said, no. And he was like, okay, do you want to expound? And I said, I mean, I'm not excited. I'm going to be there because I need to be there. I have stuff I have to do. I'm, I, have, I have to be there. Um, and he said, mm, want to bet? And he said, actually, you're not, you're not going to be there tomorrow. And I was like, no, I, I have to be there. I, I have to be there. I, I have stuff I have to do. Like the church needs me to be there. And Nick was like, well, that's a problem because that's not why we go to church. 
Um, you and I don't go because the church needs us. We go because we get to, and we go because we worship. And um, so he was like, you can do whatever you want tomorrow. He said, you can go to another church. You can stay home in your pajamas. You can go watch a movie. Um, and he said, but I'm going to have somebody at the door, guarding the door, making sure you don't go. And I really thought that. That might sound like a dream to some of you, but I was, I felt really crazy. And I was like, no, I, I have to be there. I have stuff I have to do. And he was like, no, you really don't. Um, and so what unfolded over the next few weeks is um, we realized I really had way too much on my plate at the church at the time. Um, a lot of y'all might not know this, but at the time I was um, on volunteer staff, which means I was on staff at the church, but I wasn't getting paid for it, which was great. It was my joy. Um, and we have a couple of people on staff who do that. Um, but I also had a whole other job that I do get paid for. So having two jobs, you know is difficult. Um, and, and we realized I just had too much on my plate. I just actually couldn't do it. I, the pieces didn't fit. It didn't matter how well I planned. It didn't matter how, um, how many days I took off. Like the, it just didn't work. I had, I had too many jobs. They, they weren't fitting. Um, and so Nick began to kind of take some of those things off my plate. And by I begin, I mean, one day he just wrote an email and he told everybody, like, Jess is off staff. Don't ask her any more questions <laughs> um, because he's like that. And he's a good husband. And he's really kind. Um, but what happened is that um, the very next Sunday, of course, I was like, the embargo's over. I'm going back to church. OK, Nick. And he was like, yeah, you can come back this Sunday. That's fine. Um, but what happened is that when I took off that feeling of intense obligation, um, I found deep love. Um, and, and actually, I was talking to a friend a few months later who really um, was, she's been here at Bright City for years, and she knew me, and she knew my situation, but she didn't really understand that I was on staff and that I wasn't. Um, and so somebody was telling her, and somebody was saying, like, well, you know, Jess was on staff, and now she's not. And she was like, I didn't know any of that. Um, she said, but if I could tell you what I've noticed the past couple of months is you seem a lot more present. Like when you're at church, you seem a lot more present. And I was like, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think that that's what happened is that when I, I took some things back, when I did a little bit less, I was actually able to step into more. I was actually able to step into the parts that God had called me to. So the reason why I asked you not to take that story too far um, is because I don't think, I could be wrong, but I, I don't know about the narrative for your life, but I don't think most of us are coming to church too much. You know what I'm saying? That was supposed to make you guys laugh. Um, I don't think I could be wrong, um, but I didn't want you to hear that and be like, I guys just said for me to step into the more God has for me, I got to stop coming. Um, I actually don't think that's the norm because the truth is that we, we experience God in a new way when we're in the, in the fellowship of believers, right? Um, and we experience something wild when we submit ourselves to being taught by people who know us and walk with us. Um, and so even for me, the, I needed to lose the obligation of doing too much, but I still needed to be the church, right? I still needed to let the church be the church for me. Um, but today we are going to talk about stepping into the more that we're made for by doing less. Um, and I do think that there is going to be some insight for each of us here. So as Nick and I were processing this and I was telling him, I was like, hey, can I tell that story? Are you nervous everybody's going to stop coming to church? Um, and he said, no, you can trust Bright City. They won't take it too far. Um, but he said, it sounds like what you're telling me, Jess, about, about when you needed to do less, it was, it was about the why and not the what. 
Um, sometimes when it's time for us to do less, it's not necessarily that we need to figure out like all of the what that should be on our plate, but we can really start with why are we doing these particular things that we're doing. And so as we look today at doing less to step into the more that we're made for, I wanna give you just off the bat a few bad whys to be doing something, okay? Um, number one is striving. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but um, this is an easy one for me to tap into. And I would say absolutely, like when we hear something like you're made for more, our immediate response can be like, I have to figure this out. I have to do this. I have to put it together. I have to muster it up. I have to work it out. And I think for many of us, God's given us vision. He's given us some insight, maybe even some dreams and some goals about what being made for more might look like in our life. But then we start to strive and feel like it's all up to us, which is just not true. Right? I think um, for a lot of us, we are doing more when maybe we should be doing less, actually because of fear. Um, we're, I think a lot of us might be, and myself included, might be scared about what we'll find in doing less. Um, we're scared about who we are when we do less. Um, I don't know about y'all, but for a long time, I was just deeply afraid of silence because I was scared about what I would find to be true about God if I just wasn't constantly making noise. Um, I think we're scared about what we're going to find if we take some things off our plate or out of our lives. I think a lot of us um, are struggling with people-pleasing, and therefore we are doing more um, because we're just terrified to say no. We're terrified to disappoint people. We're terrified to be misunderstood. Um, I think a lot of us are doing more when we might be called to do less because we're trying to prove something either to ourselves or to other people. We want everybody else to, to know that we're made for more. We want to convince ourselves that we're made for more. And then lastly, this one's the gut punch. I think a lot of us um, may be trying to earn God's love and favor. Um, we, we maybe had a point of salvation and, and we believed like, oh, he has this call on my life or he's going to do this thing in my life. Um, but then we feel like we have to do things to earn it. And this is really rooted in a misunderstanding of holiness and sanctification. It's actually a, a deeply theological issue. We need to understand that by grace through faith, if you walk with God, if you have a relationship with God, you are as holy today as you will ever be. Now, the process of sanctification is how you learn to agree with that. It's how you learn to live that out and come into agreement with it. But you actually cannot get closer to God. Hear me? You actually can't. He's come all the way for you. He's done all the work. But you can live like you believe he is as near to you as he is. Um, so here's the thing. Before we get into our scripture for today... Um, I want to tell you that I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the statistics are. I don't know if we're like 50-50 split up. Um, in my marriage, in our home, I would say we're 50% do more. Like that's my proclivity. I'm I'm a do more girl. Do too much. Some might say extra. Um, and I would say Nick's strength is in doing less. And I don't mean that in any, no, that sounded rude. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's, I'm going to tell you about it in the message, okay, guys? I'm going to affirm him. If you know him, you know, even in talking, I'm going to say 200 extra words, and he's going to say 200 less. Um, like, he's going to leave a little space for the Holy Spirit, whereas I am going to, like, get up all in your face. 
Um, and which makes me the exact right person to teach this message because it's the one that I need the most too. That being said, I don't know what the breakdown is in this room about like you, maybe your proclivity is to do a little bit more or maybe you're a little more faithful and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm good with doing a little bit less to see God move more. Um, but wherever you land, if you are a person who tends to like get your hands a little too dirty and you like, I, I do, I add all the things in, this is going to be a helpful rubric for you to pay attention to why you do that. But if you are a do less person by nature, if you're like, oh, trust me, I don't need a message about doing less. Um, I live it less. This is also going to be a helpful rubric to ask why. Why do, you, why do you do those things? So today we're going to be reading from John chapter 11. If you want to pull out your phones or if you have your Bible, do that now. We're actually not going to have it on the screen today because we had technical difficulties. So I'll read it to you. Um, and I might skip a few verses if you're following along. But honestly, um, this is one of the best stories about Jesus being a do less guy. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a ton. There's a ton of stories in scripture, which just always blows my mind about when Jesus was invited or told or expected to do more, and instead he pulled back. Some of the stories that blow my mind the most about Jesus are like when it would say, and he pulled away from the shore, and we would know there were thousands of people still waiting to be touched and healed by him, but he would still pull away. It's wild. It blows my mind. Um, and so this is one of the best Jesus doing less stories. We're going to start at verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. After he said this, we're skipping a little bit. After he said this, he went on to tell him, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. This is one of the one times the disciples make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're tracking. What they're saying actually makes sense. Like, oh, if he's taking a nap, it'll help God. Um, Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Yeah, um, we understand, John. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So the first thing I want to tell you about this story is it is not relatable to us in any way, shape, or form. I mean, there's some interesting things about it, and we have the disciples being like, well, if he's taking a nap, it'll help. Um, but in general, it's helpful for you and I to just put a little bubble between us and the scripture and say, like, this is not relatable. We're going to be talking as humans about doing less to see God help us step into the more that we're made for. But Jesus is not relatable because he did less, and then he was also still God and did more. Um, and so I just want to say that. I want to put that bubble because you and I, Probably, I don't know, I don't want to put any limits on your life, but we are probably not going to like take a week off and then go raise somebody from the dead. Um, that being said, um, 
some human parts about Jesus that I really appreciate in this story that you and I can relate to is that number one, he was wildly misunderstood. Um, and actually in the part of scripture that I skipped, just because I didn't want to get too far into it, it's a whole other story, is that partially why the disciples were confused is because they thought he didn't want to go to where Lazarus was because he was scared of dying, which we know Jesus was not. <laughs> Um, he knew all along that he was going to come and die for us. So he was massively misunderstood. Um, but number two, a, a beautiful human thing that I appreciate that he allowed himself to live under the limitations of humanity is that Jesus couldn't be in two places at once. He could not do both. He couldn't minister in one space and go to Lazarus at the same time, which you and I are also under that same limitation. And then number three, um, one incredibly relatable thing about this story about Jesus that we didn't even get into is that when Lazarus dies, Jesus grieves. For some of you, it's like your favorite verse in the Bible because it's the one you have memorized. It's two words, Jesus wept. This is where that passage comes from because he actually grieved. He actually loved his friend and his doing less caused him grief. And we can relate to that because a lot of us, as we begin to pull back and honor God by doing less, it will cause grief for us and it will cause us to be misunderstood. All right, but let's go forward. We're going to really just look at three quick points from this story that I believe you and I can use as a rubric mostly to hear from God about in this situation, God, should I be doing more or should I be doing less? So the first thing I want to talk about is this verse right here where Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. So the number one reason that you and I can look at when we are determining, God, should I be doing less here to step into the more that you have for me is Will doing less increase God's glory? Will doing less or will doing less cause other people to bring God glory? Will doing less have any kind of impact on God's glory in Jesus' name? Um, so the Greek word for glory right here is doxa. Um, and it means what you think. It means like glory, splendor, majesty. But honestly, I feel like you and I, those words are, those are words we say about God a lot that we don't actually resonate with anymore. Um, I don't, uh, maybe it's just me, but I don't even super sometimes know what that means. But one of my favorite um, interpretations of the Greek word doxa is reputation. So saying it even more plainly like this, will doing less in a particular situation in your life, will it give God a better reputation amongst other people? Will it cause other people and even maybe you to look at him and be like, okay, he did that. He's good. He's kind. Recently, um, I've been praying for this one area of breakthrough in our life. And um, I have done all the things and I've grieved over it and I've asked other people to pray for it and um, I've done what I can do in the natural and I've just been kind of spinning and doing everything I can to see this one area of breakthrough um, that really isn't even about me it's about somebody else but just some healing I want to see and a few uh, about a week ago I woke up just kind of grieved about it heavy on my heart and um, just just kind of like felt like I was pounded against the rock of like God you have got to move 
you've got to move. And so I woke up that morning and I made this little plan in my head. And the plan was, I'm gonna pull out my Bible, and I, I typically use my iPad Bible, but I was like, I'm gonna pull out my real Bible. Um, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, it's serious now. And I was like, I'm gonna pull out my paper Bible, and I'm gonna walk around my house, and I'm gonna read scripture. And I'm gonna read scripture over this situation, and then I'm gonna sit down, and I had this plan, because I'm a planner, and I said, and then I'm gonna write out this particular prayer, just telling God, these are all the things I need you to do. These are all the things I want you to do. And I went to go find my Bible. And um, I, don't, I do not often feel like God is this specific with me, but sometimes I do know that he is this specific with me. And I, I sense the spirit of God saying, are you trying to pay for this? Are you, trying to pay, are you trying to pay me for the breakthrough? How? Like, what? you're trying to do step one, two, and three, so I'll do four? This is not how it's going to work. You're not going to pay me. And I, I realized, like, not only was I trying to, like, muster up the hand in favor of God, but more than that, this is, this is so honest, guys. More than that, I realized that the story, I wanted the story to be when I told people later about the breakthrough, because I do 100% believe the breakthrough and the healing is going to come. I wanted to be able to say, and I woke up that morning and I knew what to do, and I walked around my house and I prayed and I wrote it. I wanted... It's increased my reputation of my faithfulness. And, it, and so true story, I just was like, oh man, this is messed up. And I closed my Bible and I went and sat on the couch and I made a cup of coffee. I told God, like, I'm so mad that you haven't brought breakthrough in this yet. I'm so grieved. My heart's hurting. You could fix it. Can you help me? And of course, even just by expressing that intimacy of like frustration with God, I sensed his nearness and his presence and his compassion toward me. And, and true enough, we saw a little bit of breakthrough that day, just like a little bit of the light cracking in this area. But more than that, I sensed God's nearness and kindness. And I realized I cannot pay for his favor. I can press into his presence. I can do all of the spiritual disciplines because they're life-giving for me, but I cannot do any of them to make him do what I want him to do. He's good, and he's a good father, and he's kind. And on the flip side, when I don't do any of the right things to pay him, he still shows up. So number one, will doing less in this situation bring an increase of God's glory? Will it increase his reputation? That is an incredible reason to do less. Here's number two. I'm going to go back to that passage. We see again, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So the second question you and I have to ask ourselves is, is this doing less motivated by love? Is doing less in whatever situation in your life where you are perceiving like, oh, should I do less or should I do more? Is it motivated by love. I think if we're all honest, um, all of us know what it means or what it looks like or what it feels like to do less because we're apathetic. And I think all of us know what it looks like to do less because we're being selfish. 
But there's a very different gear sometimes that we can massively access by the power of the Holy Spirit where we just say, like, actually, I think in this situation, God is calling me to take a step back, to take my hands off of this situation because I love people so much. Because I love them, I'm actually going to take a step back. Because I love them, I'm going to say less. That's mine. Um, Because I love them, I'm going to say less. Because I love them, I'm not going to show up with my physical self. Um, Nick, again, because I was saying he's great at doing less in a godly way, um, I just want to affirm, I'm going to tell you my favorite story about Nick doing less and how we saw it lead to breakthrough. Um, At the church we were at before this, when we landed there, I'm going to to give it to you straight. When we landed there, they were in a heap of drama. Um, And I had never been to a a church like this. Um, And they ordained Nick really quickly and called him a pastor. And I'm telling you what, it was crazy. Every, almost every night there was a crisis and it was a small church so that was a lot (laughs) um and almost every night there was like a crisis or a meeting or we got to go over to somebody's house or we got to do this and I I I was exhausted but a little exhilarated and again I'm a do more kind of girl so I was like let's go um and we had three little kids at home but like Nick was always running off like I got to go over to so-and-so's house I got to go to the hospital I've never seen somebody do so many hospital visits how many times do you go to the hospital it was crazy um and so one night we were in bed and we were reading a book and we hadn't gone to sleep yet but we were both reading and Nick got a, a call on his phone I'm gonna tell you, I just started suiting up. I like got out of bed. I put my robe on. I was like, I'm ready. We're let's do the thing because this is another crisis. And I got a call on his phone. He stayed in bed, and um, it, on the other end, it was our friend Sam. And I loved Sam, and he was like a son to us. And he actually ended up um, moving here to help us plant Bright City and living with us for a while. And so I could hear that it was Sam. I could hear he was upset. And again, I was out of bed. I was getting dressed. I was like, well, we're going to Sam's house or he's coming over here. Something's happening. And um, Nick just stayed where he was. And he kept talking. And I heard him say, like, he was listening. And he was saying, like, okay, okay. And then he said, Sam, are you safe? Are you safe right now? Are you physically safe? And he was like, yeah. I could hear Sam say, yeah, I'm safe. Um, And Nick said, okay, um, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to hang up. And I'm going to pray for you first. I, I really just want you to talk to God about this situation that you're in and then come over first thing in the morning. And um, again, I'm out of bed, like <laughs> confused. Um, and then he prayed for Sam and he hung up. And true story, I looked at Nick and I was like, that was not good pastoring. <laughs> I was like, you can't do that, babe. We got to go over there. Yeah, we got to do something. We got we to go over to his house. He needs to come over here. I'm up. I'll make coffee. And Nick was like, no, he's okay. I love him. He just needs, he needs some time with God. Um, and I was like, I don't know, ma'am. I thought that we were supposed to be helping people here. And um, the next morning, Sam came over, and I made coffee, and our kids were playing in the other room. Um, and he said, well, something crazy happened. He said, Nick, you told me to talk to God. And... I had never talked to God. He said, I, I, you know, his, Sam's dad was a pastor. He's like, I've heard people talk to God. I've like fake talked to God. He said, but that night I just talked to God. And he said, I got saved last night. And I just wanted you to be the first person to know. And I, that story has forever marked me and changed me. Because my go-to, my norm is like, let's do it. Let me fix it. But if that night we had rushed in and tried to fix all of Sam's problems instead of just making space for him to talk to God, 
we might have missed out on being a part of that in a way where we weren't even a part of it, which is wild and beautiful. And all of a sudden, our friend Sam became our brother and our coworker in the gospel. And it was wild and it was beautiful. And he's had a massive kingdom impact. And all of that was motivated by Nick's love for him by saying, like, I love you so much that I know I don't need to be Jesus to you. Jesus can be Jesus to you. I know that I can be the hands and feet of Jesus when he tells me to, but I can also pull back. So the question is, will loving someone so much sometimes lead to doing less for them or in their lives? I believe yes, it absolutely will. And it's actually very selfless and very spiritually mature to know when it's time to take a step back and to let God be God. Here's our last question. Is doing less going to be good for the most people? Here's what we see Jesus say. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. This is what he says to his disciples. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there. This is how I know um, that God is not telling most of you not to serve in bright kids. Okay? That was a joke. Um, Because it would be good for the most people if you would sign up and help back there. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Me too. But we do have to ask this question and in love and in maturity. Jesus loved Lazarus. And Jesus loved his disciples. And moreover, we know that Jesus loved us, those of us who would process and read and run into this scripture over and over and over again. And it was born out of that love, not just that love for Lazarus, but that love for the greater community who would see him be able to move in a wild and beautiful way that he held back and did less. And so I want to tell you, this is it. Like, this is the line in the sand where we divide hustle culture and a kingdom capacity to understand and agree with the fact that we're made for more because all of the world all of culture will tell you like hustle you're you got this run do the things build the thing build the kingdom but all of that is about you all of that is about you And being made for more and agreeing and believing that in the name of Jesus, we've been called to more, we've been equipped to more, we've been invited into more, is actually about not only us and us experiencing God, but the greater community because we've been purchased into the family of God. And so these three questions, while they're not definitive and they're not the only ones, these three questions become incredible checks for us to say, like, should I do less? And and will me doing less in this capacity mean that I'm stepping into the more God has for me? Or maybe for a lot of us, like, should I actually step in and and do, do the more that he's called me to as well? Number one, is it gonna bring God glory? Is it gonna increase his reputation? This is again, if you stop showing up at work and you're like, well, just told me to do less, probably not gonna make God look great. Is it motivated by love? The people right in front of you, the people you haven't met yet, the people you serve, the people God's called you to. And then lastly, is it, best for the most people, for the kingdom and the family of God. 
this is going to take a lot of a, a lot of discernment. And in fact, as we like prayed through this message and we talked about it this morning at pre-service prayer, um, we've all just kind of talked about like the the hardest part about a message like this is it it actually more than anything I hope sends you to hear from God because nobody else can answer this for you. But the good news is. If you walk with God, if by grace through faith you have a relationship with Jesus, you can hear from him. He, it's not off limits for you. Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, to give you insight, to give you gut instinct, to, to whisper in your ear, Isaiah tells us to go to the left or go to the right. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you insight. The very hard part about this is that this is a gift of the kingdom that you do not have access to if by grace through faith you don't walk with God. If there hasn't been that wild and holy moment, now God will still speak to you because God speaks to all of us and he'll use other people and he'll use believers, but this instinctual knowing, this communion with Holy Spirit, this nearness of God, the God that hovered over the water. In fact, I love that we sang that, come rest on us, because I can't even get over that the word that it says that Holy Spirit did at the point of creation was to rest. We see God, Holy Spirit, doing less at the most made-for-more moment there is. But we don't have access to that hovering, that knowing, that instinctual yes or no, left or right, step in, step out, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's a promise we don't have access to without relationship. But as soon as we say yes to Jesus, it's ours. Forget about it. It's over. You get to hear from God the rest of your life. have a few quick words. If any of those whys that we talked about at the beginning um, maybe are in your life, I just want to speak a few scriptures over you. Um, and I know and I trust that you will hear from God about every situation where he might be calling you to step in or to step back. So if one of your whys has been striving I want to encourage you with 2 Corinthians 9, 8, where it says God is able to bless you abundantly so that, in, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God has made you for more, but it is not yours to muster up and figure out. If you struggle with fear... And maybe you've been doing more and doing more and doing more because you're scared about what's going to happen when you do less. I want to remind you that 2 Timothy 1 says that you don't have a spirit of fear. You haven't been given that. Instead, you've been given a spirit of love and self-discipline. That word self-discipline also means a sound mind. You get to hear from God. And you get to speak truth to yourself. If you have struggled with people-pleasing, and so you are constantly saying yes, and constantly filling your schedule, and constantly trying to show people, like, look, I'm, I can be more, I can be more. I want to remind you that Galatians 1 is a call to say, are you trying to please men? If you're still trying to please God, you cannot, if you're still trying to please men, you cannot be a servant of Christ. And this is why Bright City, we don't play around with people-pleasing. It's not cute. It's idol worship. And we break ties with it and demolish that stronghold over our life. If you are continually doing more, 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 not because God asked you to, but because you are trying to prove something to yourself or to others, I want to encourage you with this word from Galatians 3 that says, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God or was it by responding to God's message to you? 
Are you going to continue this craziness? Only crazy people think that they could complete their own efforts that were begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin with it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful process learning nothing? It's not a total loss, but it will be if you keep this up. You didn't start this thing. You don't have to sustain it. This entire relationship with God, us gathering in the house of God, is because at just the right time, when we wouldn't have chosen him, he chose us. You do not have anything to prove. And in the name of Jesus, if you are doing more because you are trying to earn God's love or God's favor, here is a good word for you. 2 Timothy 1, he saved us and he's called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus from the beginning of time. I don't know where you land. You might be a maximista like me. You know what I'm saying? You might be always doing more. You might be always doing extra for all the wrong reasons. But you can trust God to speak to you and to ask these questions continually of your life. Am I doing this because I want God's glory? Am I doing this because I love people? Am I doing this because it'll be for the greater good of the kingdom? And if you find in yourself a proclivity to do less often, it's good to ask, is this for God's glory? Is this out of love or is this out of apathy? And am I thinking about how my life can impact the greater kingdom at large? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, be gentle but complete. Your kids need to hear from you today. I also just perceive that, I don't know, God, I think some of us maybe just need to step into having a relationship with you and want you to be our father. We know you already are, but... Maybe we just need to say yes to a relationship with you so that we can have discernment, so that we can have wisdom, so that we can step into the more that you have for us. Will you speak to us? Will you speak to each of us? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.